you're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best, motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, and Bill's Pipes. I am your host, Brad Gephardt, but with us on the line, we've got a very special guest, Aaron Baker. Aaron, how's it going? It's going really well, Brad. That's excellent to hear. Uh, whereabouts are you located? I'm actually in Valencia, Southern California, or I mean Santa Clarita, um, kind of a little town north of LA. There used to be some moto tracks like Castaic and Lemon Grove. I guess it's called Piru now. Um, Gorman, you know, those are some tracks on the map right around this area. Yeah. You're you're deeply entrenched in the mecca of motocross, 100%. This is where all of those dudes came out of. Uh, and I, I know you yourself, coming up through the ranks or coming up as an amateur, must have been uh, plugged into the uh, the Sean Colliers of the world, uh, that whole Fast House gang. <laughs> Absolutely. Sean, his brother Mike, the whole family, um, a lot of OGs from this area. Excellent. Now, um, uh, I wanted to have you on because uh, you've got something really special going on, and it all dates back to 1999. Um, tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, the like the uh, what you're trying to raise money for, what you're trying to work towards, and uh, and and how you got there in the first place. Yeah, 1999. That's uh, a lifetime ago. Um, Watched my I first had... race in 1999. Was it really? Yeah, first race I ever watched was Grunthal, Manitoba, 1999. Doug DeHaan, who's now a uh, regional <laughs> uh, Fox rep, won that national, and uh, I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. My dad got me in 1999 RN, or DS80 and loved it to death, and I've loved the sport ever since. And uh, you yourself have loved it a long time before that, so uh, uh, yeah. a lot of parallels here. That definitely dates me because uh, as you were just getting started, I was just ending mine. In uh, <clears throat> 1999, I broke my neck, actually. I was uh, uh, just signed to Stiffy Suzuki, which was a satellite race team back in the day. Yeah. And it was my first year pro. So, um, yeah, I was just testing one day and went over the bars. The bike sputtered back there, you know, during the two-stroke two days. Those um, RMs and the, the the little cough. That's what it was, for. you know. Yeah. It's uh, fourth gear pain and it bogs. Um, you're bound to go over the handlebars. So yeah, that's what happened. And uh, yeah, man, I ended up breaking my neck and became instantly paralyzed from the neck down. And that was it. That was, um, you know, closed the chapter on my racing career in the blink of an eye, which is, you know, really scary and, and something that I always feared, uh, you know, would be like my worst nightmare. Um, and when that happened, it was actually quite the opposite, Brad. It, uh, you know, I was laying on the track and I knew how gnarly it was. I could barely breathe. And it was just, uh, it's hard to explain. It's hard to describe, but 
I don't know. There was something bigger that had happened at that moment. Something more than just, you know, the trophies and, and the races and the, you know, the lifestyle, all of a sudden, um, you know, there was, uh, some more purpose for me and my life started to make a little bit more sense immediately. Uh, and that's, I know that's kind of odd to hear me say, but mm-hmm. you know, I really wouldn't change a thing, Brad. Like I love what Moto did for me as a, as a kid growing up, what it did for my family, the places I got to travel, and the things that I learned. Um, I learned how to discipline, you know, how to discipline myself, how to work hard and how to conquer fear. Um, those things are invaluable tools that I use today. And I, I definitely thank Moto and the industry for that. And when I look back on it, you know, I've got nothing but great memories. I've got great lifelong friends, you know, that are still out racing. And I have a lot of respect for their ability to accept my injury and still at the top level, you know, kick ass. Um, so, you know, from that day in 1999, I've just worked really hard to rebuild my life in a different light. I haven't looked back, you know, isn't that a rule of thumb? You never look back when you're racing. The moment you start looking back, you start going backwards and you start worrying about the other guy. And so I've always really tell that to Michael Lessie. Just seriously, don't look back. (laughs) Like race forward. Anybody look at Dungey race forward. You know, these guys race to win. And, uh, that's what I'm doing still. I apply all the principles of moto to, my life, my friends, my business, my passions. And um, so I've just rebuilt um, with all those tools a new life. And now it's all about cycling and adventure and travel and, you know, uh, building a family and a business that um, gives back to the community and, you know, something I'm passionate and purposeful. Uh, you know, I have a lot of purpose and passion for it. So, wow, it it almost sounds as if you uh, you ought to change uh, the day that you celebrate your birthday on. I do. I celebrate two birthdays, literally. Um, you know, because I did have a, a a near death experience in this whole thing, and that was a really life changing moment. You know, that kind of solidified uh, the I, I guess the changing of my life. Um, you know, not only was I paralyzed and, and not able to go back to my sport, having experienced that, that moment, it really showed me that I didn't need to go back to my sport. I didn't want to go backwards to what was. I needed to go forward and up with something new. And so that's basically what I'm doing. I'm just writing different chapters in my life. So as, as part of the, this uh, this new chapter of your life, in, in, in all reality, it sounds like you um, um, got to terms with it very, very, very quickly. Um, were there some tough moments right out, like like through the very beginning? I gotta imagine there was tough moments throughout. Uh, but what what were some of the, the the hardest times like for you as a like? How old were you when you got injured? Yeah, I just uh, I was twenty years old. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Absolutely, man. I had some really tough times. And yes, I had come to terms with moving forward and not trying to get back to racing. Um, I knew that in my heart. I knew that, that, you know, I needed to go forward. Um, but I still, 
love moto. I still love the sport. And it was, it's actually kind of a love hate thing. It's like, I hate to love it so much because, you know, when I was in the hospital, I didn't give it much of a, much thought a year into my injury. I ended up going back to my first supercross Anaheim and I'm, you know, I'm there in a wheelchair and I'm just there and I see my friends and I see the way they're looking at me with, you know, scared looks in their face. And I remember my first supercross at Anaheim and seeing my buddy, Danny or Neilis, uh, wheel up to me in his wheelchair cause he had gotten hurt, you know, six months before and it freaked me out. So it's like, I understood the feeling of, uh, of my friends and being at that race and God, that was really hard for me. Uh, and even the few years after that, you know, every time I'd go back to Anaheim one, Anaheim two, three, whatever, it was, there was just this, you know, pit in my stomach. I was never a good spectator. Even if I had broken a bone, you know, I never wanted to go to the race just to watch. It's, I would much rather just be racing. Yeah, I, I, honestly, even for myself, I can't think of uh, too many races that I've been to that I'm not watching most of the races wearing motocross boots. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's, so, I don't know, it, it, it was a weird thing for me to have to, you know, figure out for myself and, and, and just actually the way I was able to do it was pretty cool. I, uh, you know, I've, like I said, I've still got some friends in the industry and I'd stay in touch with them and I would go to the test tracks and do lap times or talk to them about their nutrition or their program or whatever. And, and that helped me get over that because I was involved again. You know, I was okay. kind of vicariously living through their, you know, their race and that felt good. It felt like I was inside the helmet with them. And, um, you know, even, uh, my, the best part actually was in 2008, my buddy Josh Hansen called me up and said, Baker, dude, I know you're, uh, you're training on a bicycle and you've done these things. He's like, I'd really love for you to help me, uh, get my program together. And that's when he was racing for Mitch at pro yes. circuit. And we got Donnie on the phone, Mitch, David Bailey, and formed a sweet little team, just us. And we'd go to the Cowie test track and we would, you know, keep Josh kind of on a short leash. Because at that time, you know, he was kind of in and out. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that helped me a lot. You know, I wanted to just thank Josh for calling me and, and bringing me back into the industry that way and making me feel like I could help him. And we had a cool little thing, and he made a run at the championship, and he nearly had it. So, you know, I have a lot of respect for, for Josh and what he's done the last, uh, the last few years. I know he's come close, but just not all the way yet do you do you follow the series quite closely now even as far as to uh maybe even play some fantasy moto here and there i mean social media it's always on my feed right i'm always yeah. seeing results and i'm seeing who's doing what and i saw that dude weed it pretty hard off that that uh that triple this last yeah. weekend that was gnarly broken femur yeah i hope he's doing well i don't know who he is but uh I think brock schmillian get well man absolutely uh, all the best uh prayers for for josh million or brock million he uh apparently and uh, this is i've only heard seen this written a couple of times his uh uh the clutch side grip came off which allowed him which made him fall off the side of the motorcycle which got his foot caught on the ground and just sent him for uh, one heck of a ride um 
Do you remember much from your crash? Yeah, I remember every every part of it. I mean, I was I uh, nice, perfectly formed left hand corner, kind of a one eighty second gear, just perfect execution. Came out of it, pulled third, pulled fourth, pinned through like a chucked out straightaway up to this big step up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was everything a 125 had fourth gear to get over it. Yeah. And it was actually, it was a fun jump. It was a nice floater. Good part of the track to chill out. And, um, it just bogged right at the lip. Mm-hmm. And when it bucked, it, it just bucked me so hard in the ass that I had to step over the handlebars. And I remember, you know, it was over 80 feet. I don't know, plenty of time to think about it. And I kept thinking, damn it, I don't want to land on my feet because I had a brand new pair of CTI knee braces and I didn't want to break my femur because I know landing from that high on your feet, you're going to, something's going to snap. Yeah. It's probably not just your braces. Yeah. So I don't know. I kind of kept over rotating in the air and, and rolling up the windows, you know, as, uh, as I'm falling and, ended up lawn darting the ground, um, pretty hard packed, baked Southern California dirt, uh, on the top of my head and it compressed my chin to my chest and I could hear my neck break and, and it's literally a light switch. You know, it, it shuts everything off to the body. And I remember like flailing down the, the backside of the, the jump and, and the dust kind of settled and I'm just laying there in a heap. My hand was kind of right in front of my face and, you know, um, that's it. Barely breathing. Wow. And, uh, like you must've had some people there with you that day that, uh, um, that I'm, are they still in your life? Are they, um, I got to imagine those particular people would, you'd, you'd want them to stay close over the years. Yeah. I've got a real, real good friend of mine who was there, uh, Luke Wilson. He's, He's uh, one of my best friends now, and um, you know he was there. They all rushed up to me, and I don't know. Instinctively, I just kind of, with the little bit of voice I had, just said, "Don't touch me." Call a helicopter. I know I just broke my neck, and so that's what they did. Forget the ambulance, no, just get a helicopter there, and and then I had them lay down in front of me and just kind of look me in the eyes and keep me conscious and keep me keep me from going into shock. So, I mean, it was, it was scary, Brad. It was so gnarly. And that sounds scary. Wow. I just, uh, you, you want to be careful when you tell them this kind of story, you know, you don't want to scare anybody, but I mean, stuff happens. It happens all the time. You know, you step off the bike and you blow an ankle, blow a knee, shoulder, you know, injuries happen. And, and, uh, the whole point is to, if you can dust yourself off and, and carry on. And that's basically what I'm, what I've done and what I keep doing. And, and that's the, the strength of a motocross racer. And I, I feel like from such a young age, uh, we're taught to walk a track, size something up and within mm-hmm. a couple of laps be jumping. Like if you're at a, at a, at a, at a moderate, to, um, amateur status where you're, you're, you're like a little bit more advanced, you should be, be expected to jump almost every jump on the track and blitz every corner, every whoop section within a few laps. And the yeah. strength that that's needed is 
very much unlike any other sport. Like it's not like you go to the football field and you could walk out there and envision what type of peril that you're going to be putting yourself into. Yeah, those there's going to be hits, uh, but for the most part, they're all right in front of you, and there's ways to like you're never going as fast as you will be on a motocross bike. But uh, you have very very young athletes who are able to assess risk and basically just accept the consequences and go for it and uh and then even after a big crash there's been times i know even for yourself i guarantee there was a time or two where you crashed big in a moto remounted the motorcycle and if it was worthy of going on the track so were you so um that that well, yeah strength, look at look at chad reed chad reed when he uh when he stepped Jumbo. off huge and got yeah. back on and went right at it i mean there is there's a huge difference between the mentality of, of a moto athlete and your average Joe. Um, I know a lot of people with spinal cord injuries, and it's really those motocross athletes that have just this unmatched mental fortitude that is rare. Um, I mean, look at Christian Craig, the way he was re- yes. able to rebound from, you know, he had uh, some spinal damage. and A man that still uh, has spinal a rod shock. in his back. Yeah, yeah and... And he comes out of it and gets back on, and he's at nationals. Yeah. Um, there's just something about the tenacity of of the athlete, and yeah, like you said, being so young and being able to visualize uh, or premeditate your moves, and you know, look fear right in the face, and and harness that, channel it, and use aggression to, you know, to in a positive way. It's incredible sport that way and that's what i use today i use a lot of those things that i learned you know as a kid watching myself um you know in slow motion the videos you know that uh, my dad would take of me i'd watch the race tech suspension paul steeds uh videos you know the only difference between me and the top rider in the world was the six inches between my head or between my ears you know those types of things that uh that teach you and mold you into, uh, I don't know, like a, an elite athlete. Well, at one point, uh, you used to visualize uh, the perfect race and, um, and and all those perfect transitions, arcing those corners, everything that went into it, it had to be flawless. As you said, that right-hander before the that jump was absolutely what it needed to be. It was flawless. Now... You've changed that into uh, a perfection of a different kind. Explain that. Yeah, absolutely, Brad. I um, I take that type of mindset and I apply it to literally every physical step that I take. Like it, for me to make movement with my body takes, um, it's called focus, willed intent. I have to visualize it. I have to think about it. I have to forcefully make it happen. It's a conscious effort. Um, and it's the same, it's the same approach, you know, it's, you're sitting on the starting line and, you know, you're going through your mind, you can visualize the track, you can visualize the transitions and the the breaking points and line choices. And I do that with every action of my day from the moment I wake up and get out of bed, I plan my route, you know, to the bathroom, to downstairs, to the car, to the office, to the gym. Everything is intended. Everything has an intention behind it. And I don't make wasted moves. I don't waste my energy. I don't go backwards. I move forward. And so 
all that stems from moto. You're the most infi- efficient uh, human out there right now. I try to really manage my energy, my time, and my risk. That's like what I do every day. That's wild. Um, so when you first were injured, you were a complete injury where you had very, no feeling uh, from, from your neck down or waist down? Uh, from my neck down. Um, guys okay. that you would know, like good buddy Donovan Mitchell, he and I got yep. injured right around the same time. Um, Chris Ackerman? Uh, Chris Ackerman. Chris Ackerman, yeah. Donovan Mitchell, Ernesto, Fonseca, yeah. even Button. Jimmy had uh, Jimmy and I's injury is actually a lot like, um, okay. although he's had a tremendous recovery. And Clearly, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's doing a lot of amazing things today. So all these injuries are really different, but they're, they're still gnarly. I mean, you mess with that spinal cord and you're messing with your ignition. Yeah, uh, that's exactly it. Um, like, uh, just quick, quick little story time from me. Um, I don't know if you've been to uh, rate or comp edge lately. Not lately, but I know all about it. Uh, well, uh, there's a, about a hundred and some foot quad jump over top of their, like, I guess it would be their finish line. I've never been on there on race day, but uh, near their, um, I guess it's the scoring tower or whatever, uh, announcer's tower, there's a huge quad jump. And uh, I had been there 2000, or it would have been New Year's 2014. So uh, December 31st, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um I was coming up, it was second lap of practice, maybe third lap of just going out there and riding. I'm from Canada, of course, so I'd driven 36 hours to be there. Uh, this was a second day riding down in California, and um, I figured I could at least triple up onto the flat portion of this jump, and uh, I ride a KX252 stroke, which uh, it's got the hardest hitting power band that I've ever felt, but uh, nevertheless, um, the bike looped out from under me. And uh, I think I was pretty lucky to basically ride that air wheelie right to the ground because my butt came in contact with the edge of that hard pack California landing and um, immediate fire right up my back. Oh, yeah. And um, like like my dad's told me to do a hundred times, if you can move immediately, do an inventory, hands, feet... Like, am I, am I okay? And and right off the hop, I could feel hands. And although I could scoot my way off the track, I couldn't feel legs right, or I couldn't feel feet right away. And slowly those came back within a few seconds. But that was a scary moment because all I could feel was just full-blown fire right up my middle back. I can't, I can't explain it. I think it felt like it was literally my lower back was on fire. And, uh, what that ended up being was a, a broken coccyx and, uh, and some, some compressed vertebrae and throughout that lower back. Wow. Wow. You got, uh, you got lucky, man. Jeez. Big time. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take much. It just takes, uh, torque, leverage, compression, you know, and that uh, at the speeds that everybody's going, and at the, it's just well, shit. You don't even have to be going fast. You can. I know people that have literally been walking down the street and come off the curb and and just landed just right, and boom, spinal cord injury. So, yes, the risk is higher in moto, and we get hurt all the time, but you can literally do it doing anything. 
Oh, you could do it at a stoplight. You're you're abiding by the law, stopped at a stoplight, and someone runs into the back of you, and boom, you're you're in wheelchair for the rest of your life. So to 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 say that you should step off of motocross race, racing for the rest of your life because someone has had an injury, doesn't matter who it is, either it's someone close to you or someone in general, um, is is a bit foolhardy because although yes, we put ourselves in a lot of um, maybe, uh, unwarranted peril. It's, uh, there's nothing quite like it in the world, uh, throwing your leg over a motocross bike. Um, like for most people, if you haven't experienced it, you're not going to, you're not going to understand it. Well, there is one thing to be said. Um, and that is, uh, fear. If you start to ride with fear or if you have some kind of, you know, if you're scared, about gun shy. any part of it, don't put your leg over it, man. It's not worth riding that way because you're only going to set yourself up for for something to happen. Um, I was told this a long time ago by uh, by McGrath when I first met him, San Jose Supercross 1992. Uh, he was on PK 123s of the year. He just right. murdered everybody. <clears throat> he uh, he's like the best thing I could tell you, dude, is. The moment you stop having fun riding your dirt bike, you should hang it up. And I've always remembered that. And there were there were times when I wasn't having fun, and you know it was it was more of a job, and I had to you know ride for sponsors, and I had to be at certain races. And my dad made me train real hard when I was real young, and I don't know all these things. I I wasn't having fun with it, and McGrath's words always stuck in my head. I was like, all right. And so I went off and I did other things. I, I still raced, of course, because I, I was pretty deep in the game at that point. But, you know, I played music and my mom, you know, had me traveling a lot and <clears throat> did a lot of other things. And whenever I'd come back to the sport, I, uh, I was able to find that fun again. And, uh, and so that's real important. And I have a lot of respect for the guys that, you know, if there is fear in their heart or in their mind, uh, they choose to walk away from it. A good friend of mine, Brett Racine, who was a badass coming up from uh, Northern California back in the 90s, he um, he was Team Green and, you know, the next big thing. And after I got hurt, after our friend Donovan got hurt, Brett took a look at himself and he's an intelligent cat. He's just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make a decision. And he chose to walk away from the sport and develop a career. He's now a commercial airline pilot. He's got a beautiful family and he's healthy and well, and he's doing his thing. And there's something to be said for that. I have a lot of respect for, for him to acknowledge the fact that he was too scared after seeing both two of his friends go down, uh, to make a life decision like that. And sure. He still gets on and rides and has fun every now and again, but, it took a lot of balls to do that. And I have a lot of admiration and respect for that. Now, when, when, as racers, when we achieve things, whether it be jumping that jump that we didn't think was possible, race wins, uh, career bests, these types of things, uh, there's a sense of elation. There's a sense of accomplishment. Um, you now in like 15 years ago, uh, with a complete injury, um, 
what was it like when you started to achieve things when you started to gain some movement there was the um for lack of a better term the systems were kicking back on a bit uh and and what was it like to, to achieve those and then maintain them? Because just like any type of fitness, if you don't use it, if you don't continue to work forward, you start to lose things. Sure. What kind of struggle was it to to hold on to some of those things that you started to gain? Well, that was that was so important in the early day to acknowledge and recognize, you know, flickers of improvement as like race wins. You know, they're, they're huge. They're really important to celebrate. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people, uh, get little bits of flicker of movement back and, you know, uh, make progress, but it's not enough for them. And they, they're not satisfied. They want more. They need to push their, they have higher expectations and that's so defeating. That's so like hard to deal with because, uh, this injury is not a broken bone. It's not eight or 12 weeks, you can cut a cast off and get back out there. I mean, that's just not how it works. Yeah. You've got to really remove the whole concept of time and train your ass off indefinitely. You never know how long it's going to take. And so I thought, you know, from the very beginning, like the flicker of my left toe to, you know, twitching muscles to being able to scratch an itch on my nose to being able to hug my, my mom and dad, you know, all those little tiny things were baby steps that were massive victories. I mean, they were equally as important, if not more than, you know, winning Loretta Lynn's. It had that same kind of feeling, you know, I felt the same way about it because I knew I was getting better. I knew I was moving forward and that's what race wins are all about. Right. I mean, you win a race and you know, you're freaking on your game. Absolutely. All right, guys. All right, guys. It's time for a commercial. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand that is. 
Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12, the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. Much faster. 2014 X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear offs, zip off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples, and see what it's gonna look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did, and head to dubyausa.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. But as you win, as you win races, as you uh, accrue championships, 
um, there are there are those of your your newfound peers that are also in uh, in wheelchairs that uh, maybe aren't experiencing that same success. What was it like to, um, uh, for lack of a better term, leave them behind a little bit? You know what I mean? Like you might have both been in the same situation six months ago or, or a certain amount of time ago and now you're able to move about and you're you're able to be more able-bodied um what was what was that like uh like i i can't even imagine what it would be like to be sitting in a chair next to somebody talking about this like dream of being able to move again and you're able to and uh you almost kind of have to look back at someone who's not able to and uh and just be thankful yeah it's a real delicate uh, situation and you've got to be very mindful and respectful for the process and the way it works is 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 respect first and you you can relate to each other because you're both struggling I mean that's the bottom line is the struggle's real and you can talk to each other about it on a level that that you can't with you know uh, the average person and you recognize that person's gains or you can commemorize with them about or commiserize whatever uh, with, you know, the things they struggle with. And you just push each other to whatever your capability is. You know, if I've got, you know, a lot of my closest friends are, are in chairs and, you know, we, we teamwork a lot of stuff. We, if he can do something really well uh, and I can't, then I let him do it. If I can do something like reach up in a cabinet and grab something, then I'll do that. And we just kind of go back and forth and we teamwork to get it done, whatever that is. And that helps kind of bridge the gap and keep the the playing field level, which is we're both dealing with gnarly stuff. So, you know, it's all relative, right? We just, we just support each other. We just push each other. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're better because of that. So... It's it's uh, it's something I really love to do with my friends is is you know empower them because they empower me, and that's how it works. It's all it's cyclical. It goes it goes around comes around, right? Right, and and obviously as yourself being someone who's who's had that injury and then moved so far ahead of it. Um, you, you really kind of lead by example. You can be that crusader who shows them that this is possible and, uh, and understand them when they're feeling as low as they'll feel and stuff like that. And, and, and be that guy who, um, can, can help them pick themselves back up. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's human, right. To, to look at the next guy and go, damn, man, I wish I could have that or do that or be that. It's like, I look at Jimmy button and he's walking, you know, three times as fast as I walk, but it's, you know, we don't kind of hold that against each other. We both just respect each other and, and work hard with whatever we're faced with. And, you know, it's, uh, you can do that with, you know, average life. You can look at some other guy's house and be like, damn, I wish I had that house. You know, oh, his car is killer. Look at that dude's bike. You know, he's got factory support. I don't, you know, whatever. Yeah, and uh, eventually all this this um, the struggle and the uh, the effort and the tirelessness it all comes to um, that the spearhead of you coming to your senses and a documentary that uh, basically um, encompasses your accident and the subsequent 
15-year struggle uh, of regaining some movement. Uh, how did that project start? Who spearheaded it? And uh, whose brainchild was that? Yeah, coming to my senses. Um, that's quite literally what I've been doing for the last 16 years. And uh, it was it was actually uh, conceived by the director, Dominic Gill, of the film. He's a close friend of mine now. Uh, we met uh, during the heyday of my cycling when I was doing a lot of bicycling, rode across the country a couple times, and that's kind of what he was doing as well, a lot of tour cycling. And um, he's a filmmaker, and we met up, and he started kind of pointing the camera in my direction with um, all the cycling I was doing leading up to the 2012 Paralympics. And um, he captured that in a short format film called All That I Am. Um, and then as I kind of transitioned away from cycling into more adventure sports, uh, he he loved the idea that I had about walking across Death Valley. And so he wanted to accompany me on that and document it. And so we spent a week out in Death Valley where I walked um, uh, 20 miles, which, you know, at my pace with my injury is, you know, it was pretty gnarly, but, uh, he wanted to use that as kind of the, the, the theme for the film, which documents my life, um, up to now with my moto and the injury and the recovery and the cycling and the Death Valley trip. So, uh, coming to my senses has a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, it's nearly finished. Uh, it just needs some more um, support to uh, to wrap it up, to finalize some filming and, and post-production. You can find it at tomysenses.com uh, or my personal website, I'm Eric Baker, and, you know, all the social media stuff. So we're excited about it. I'm really excited to be able to share that um, with newly injured people or people that, uh, you know, have some form of adversity in their life, they can use the film as the proverbial seed to be planted in them, uh, which is that of hope and empowerment. And they can use it as a tool um, because I know how much that means to somebody early in, in a process of healing or recovery. Um, you know, I needed it back back in the day. And so I'm happy to be able to pay that forward and to use my story as a, as a vehicle for somebody's, uh, for somebody's life. Absolutely. And, and I, I feel like this particular film, and I've only seen the, uh, the extended, uh, teaser for it. Uh, but I, I feel like it, this is, this is a great film for anybody, anybody to look to and actually, and feel empowered about and feel empowered from is that, uh, regardless of your situation, regardless of if, if you have an injury, if you're feeling down about what, what your situation is in life in general, uh, you can look to this film and gain a, a ton of, uh, of, of power and, and just understanding of, of overcoming things and digging deep and, um, and thinking positively. I feel like through all of this, uh, a, a great deal of positivity has built up inside you. I appreciate that, Brad. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely intend for this film to be more than just an inspirational piece. It, there are 
um, some tools uh, woven within there that uh, that people can apply directly to their life. I work uh, diligently, consciously to cultivate those in my own life and apply them uh, to my daily uh, my daily life, so that um, you know we get better with age, we get better with time, we become more intelligent humans, you know, we can coexist with each other in a more positive, balanced way. We can, you know, be of use and be of service and do good things with our time that we have here. And so, you know, I hope that, uh, that that comes across in the film. And like you say, it could, uh, be useful for anyone. Well, let's talk a little bit about the mind body approach, something that you believe heavily in. Mind, body, you know, it's not separated, right? It's all one. And I've come to understand that uh, on many levels. Um, it's something we practice in my business today, which is, uh, just got to mention that uh, core. Um, because I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very proud of that and what, what it does for our community here. The Center of Restorative Exercise, we, we definitely, um, uh, talk about the mind-body connection. We endorse that. We support it. We we uh, empower our clients with that ideal. And what that means really is is um, education. You know, um, the mind is, is incredibly powerful with uh, the information that we have at hand and, and the way in which we can <clears throat> uh, become mindful and aware of our bodies if you take an intelligent um, approach to your training, to your your health, your rest, you know all these things, it it uh, it basically optimizes uh, your performance in life. You know, and if we want to, you know, correlate that with moto, you have to take into consideration all the aspects of your life, and you become connected. Your mind and your body are a fine-tuned machine, which is why we have such incredible athletes today. You know, um, the, I think the, the era really started to change with, with Carmichael and his training regime. You know, he was, he was taking training uh, to a whole new level and the mental side of it, he was so mentally strong. You could just see that, how he would dominate. And that's why he's the good. Because he had that package, you know. He was mentally and physically sound. Uh, he wasn't going to get shaken on the track. He, I'm sure, is very composed in his daily life. He's confident in the decisions that he makes. Um, and he is, he's cultivated that with a lot of hard work. So, you know, I, I take that to another level because I integrate uh, my spirituality into it, which it's not religious, it's, it's spiritual, it's, it's the connection that I made to myself and to my, uh, you know, to the rest of the world, if you will. And that's just based on my death experience. So uh, that's where I go with it. I go to a, a different, different level with it. Wow. That's, that, that is absolutely, uh, for, for some reason who hasn't experienced it, it's a little bit tough to grasp, but the passion in your voice definitely, uh, speaks volumes to something like that. Um, 
what are what's your your proudest moment or proudest achievement since your uh, since your injury? Is it as far as a specific function, uh, a movement that you were like just absolutely ecstatic about? Like, when have you surprised yourself? My proudest moment since my injury is the day I proposed to my fiance. That uh, to be able to stand in front of her um, between the phoenix wings of uh, core, the, the facility that I built with my mother yep. after all these years, after all the pain, all the struggle, all the, everything I had gone through and that we had gone through as a family to be able to, to propose to the, the woman that I love the most and, and my best friend. Uh, that's like the biggest victory I've had in my life, you know, um, that was truly um, full circle for me to be able to, to, I don't know, just overcome this injury and, and be at this point in my life where I'm just pure happiness, pure gratitude, pure love, and that's it. You know, that's what I do every day with the people that I choose to spend my time with and create, build, and share for a greater good, so... I don't know. I'm just a lucky guy, man. I'm really stoked. Absolutely. And, and I'm stoked for you to see someone who's like, was at one point given a one in a million chance of being able to, uh, you said even, um, do, do very much at all myself, to, to yeah. the point where you're able to walk across the desert. Some, what, something that most people would, would wince at even taking on a fully able-bodied, uh, it is, is no short of, um, like absolutely incredible. And, uh, the, like I said earlier, and I've said, and I'll probably say a hundred times again, the strength that you've, uh, that you've accrued over the years is, uh, absolutely dumbfounding. I really appreciate that, Brad. That means a lot to me. Um, you know, to know that the moto community supports me in this way, uh, to, I don't know, to be able to give back to them in a positive light, uh, despite having experienced this, this career ending injury, uh, it just, it, there's a unique feeling attached to that. And really like, I guess if there's a, a, you know, the secret to being able to, you know, to walk across the desert in my current condition, really you break it down break it down into increments into those baby steps. I'm doing the same thing that I was doing in the very beginning, which is recognizing every step counts. The little things make a difference. And when you pile those all up, it's like building something with Legos. You know, every little block counts in order to have a solid wall. You've got to have them all fit. And as a bricklayer, I understand that. So you lay it, you lay it, and you, you acknowledge it, you value it, you're grateful for it, and you put one foot in front of the other, no matter how difficult it is, you make that happen, whatever that is, and the next thing you know, you've, you've compiled you know, 100,000 steps across the desert, and it's done. And you look back on it and go, holy crap. So that, that, that's some heavy stuff right there, man. Well, I mean, that's what, that's how Carmichael wins championships. That's what Dungeon's doing. That's what these guys are doing. We just don't see all those little steps 
that they're taking on the regular. And who knows if they even see it. They're just going through the motions, doing the hard work. But if you stop and you quiet yourself down for a minute and you recognize the process, you recognize the ups and downs, the, you know, the, all the little idiosyncrasies of, of life and you start to value them and you learn from them and apply them, you can do incredible things. We're incredibly powerful beings. We, we, we just don't know it. <laughs> uh, harnessing that is, uh, is, in, is incredible. Have you ever seen a documentary? I think it's not really as much as a documentary as it's, um, uh, yeah, it would be a documentary. Uh, Touching the Void. No, but that sounds interesting. Never heard. Uh, it, it's very interesting. It's about, um, it's basically a reenactment of two hikers who, uh, they, they or the two climbers, they climbed the two, they, they wanted to do two ascents and one descent in the span mm. of, I think it was about two days total. And, um, they, they hiked to, or they, they climbed to the top of this one peak and on the way down, uh, one of them, uh, the, the lead guy, he falls and breaks his knee, literally tib fib blasts right through his knee, uh, and, and splinters his femur, uh, Ooh. like into like yeah. his knees oblivion. Um, they splint his leg and they try to um, to basically ease him down and it's taking forever and they're they're freezing themselves doing it and um, in the process of this uh, one of their ropes end up breaking and uh, one of the climbers ends up going through a crevasse wow. and um, basically the other uh, the other climber has to assume the other guy passed away mm-hmm. uh and and continues down the mountain on his own and um what ended up happening was this other climber ended up find like he broken leg and all finds his way through the crevasse into like the some water was basically working its way down the mountain and he figured out where it was ending up and he scooched his way towards that hole found his way out of there and literally like on his butt like basic just like inch by inch and where that one one of the things you said that reminded me of that was that he 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 knew he wouldn't be able to climb or get back to his original base camp if he thought of it as i got to get all the way there it was as if he wanted to set the smallest goals yep. obviously he only had the sun by him he's like all right i want to be at that rock by the time the sun is there and if I can get there, I'm elated. I'm incredibly like this is Christmas all over again. Yeah. And he did that over and over and over and the smallest goals. And like, I even told this to, to my dad when he first tried his very first half marathon. I just remember texting him the morning of and like, regardless of how tired you are, all I want you to think of is you can do one more step. You can always do one more step. Yep. And if you keep adding steps, you're going to reach the finish line. That's it. It's it's not really a secret. It's just, you know, it's just recognition. It's it's called mindful awareness. You, know, you start to recognize these things. And that's, that's basically it. Well, I would definitely uh, um, suggest you, you check out Touching the Void really big. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, see if I can find a link to it. I'll text it to you. Cool. Um, 
for for you, how important is it to bring complex world spinal uh, spinal cord injury to uh, like the the information of that to the mainstream audiences so that they can um, to to know about it? Well, it's I mean it's very important. I mean, uh, spinal cord injury awareness uh, to find ultimately the cure for spinal cord injury is is our is our goal. I mean, we really want to cure spinal cord injury. Um, because I mean, we have the technology for it and I'm very proud to be an ambassador for, uh, for Red Bull and for the wings for life, uh, organization every year they hold a world run and, and I'm a real proud ambassador for that. We raise a lot of money for, for research as, as am, uh, the Christopher Reeves foundation. Um, I'm very proud to represent them as well. Um, along with another one, uh, high fives foundation. I mean, there's a lot of organizations that are doing incredible things that bring a lot of awareness and hype to spinal cord injury. And it's in the light of, of, uh, of positivity and, you know, you know, just spinning it in a whole different way so that it's not taboo. It's not something to be feared or, or to worry about. It's something that, you know, we will find a cure for it's on the cusp. And until then, um, you know, you've got someone like me and, and many others that are, you know, just forging ahead, uh, living with a spinal cord injury, um, you know, doing things with their lives and, and living an active, healthy, productive lifestyle. And that's, uh, those are the people I really, um, love to be around and I love to represent that type of, uh, energy. So, um, it, I mean, it's got to be in the mainstream. It's got to be in the, in the mindset of people, uh, you know, so that it's not feared. So uh, let, let's let's let the listeners know, like, uh, or kind of reiterate how they can get involved. How they can, uh, like, if they feel moved by this, and I hope they are. Uh, how do they get involved? How do they contribute? And uh, where does the money go? Cool. Well, I mean, on many levels. Um, depending on where you're at geographically or what your, your heart is set on. Um, you can find information about me on, uh, the Red Bull wings for life world run.com. Uh, look into that event, look into that organization. You can find me at, uh, the Christopher Reeves.org website and their organization, incredible resource of information, uh, for anything and everything, spinal cord injury, uh, high fives, Foundation out of uh, Sierra Nevada. They're a huge group that uh, is doing incredible things for life after injury and getting athletes back into sport. I'm real proud to be a part of that group. Um, but Coming to My Senses is my personal film uh, that should be uh, wrapped up later this year, but to, uh, to participate in it, to fund it, to get on board and be, uh, you know, have producer credits, you can find me at to my um, you can go to the center of restorative exercise.com and reach out to me and to our staff at core. If you'd like to improve your health, wellness, fitness, and performance, we would love to, to, uh, educate you and train you, uh, to the point of optimal efficiency and movement. You don't have to have an injury to train there. Um, and then my personal website, I'm Aaron Baker dot com or aaronbakers.com social media i'm aaron baker and uh i'm there i'll see you guys at the races i'm sure um 
I'm sure you'll see me because I love going to the races. I love seeing friends and, you know, I respect the sport tremendously. Well, that's, that's excellent. I hope that people uh, not only uh, look you up, but uh, check out uh, below this podcast on BigMXRadio.com. We're going to have every single link to all the ways they can find you. So uh, these those who listen will have absolutely zero excuse as to not, uh, if they're trying to find more information on you, they'll be able to get it. You're right on, Brad. I'm so happy uh, you, know, you took the time to talk with me tonight and i appreciate uh, racer x and the whole industry and, and uh yeah man well th- you, like uh you, you gotta thank sean collier because i'm good friends yeah. with sean and i saw him uh post uh he shared uh the teaser for um coming to my senses and i had to check it out and honestly in in my passion for motocross and uh the reality of some of the injuries that i've had um had no choice but to uh to, to call you up and uh bring awareness to it and uh as many eyes as we can bring to it uh as many ears we can bring to it the better and uh i feel like it's it's not just good for uh for for all of the the foundations and the different um charities that you're working with but just it's good for the soul i think people should really view this film and listen to your story and uh, and feel empowered by it right on well yes sean is such a good dude the family i love the family great guys and uh you know everybody that shared uh the, the coming to my senses um trailer you know jimmy button he shared it nate adams reached out my buddy uh colin morrison and i don't know just josh hansen all these guys so i really appreciate all the love from the industry and um yeah we just push each other and stump each other and get better right that's that's what it's all about man get becoming better people, achieving things, and working together to do so. Um, something I've always kind of wondered, and especially uh, like before I had met you, I would almost kind of always kind of thought of either uh, Ernesto Fonseca or uh, um, uh, Doug Henry. When you see a picture or a video of you riding from like before your injury, did what? what's that like? Um, does it feel like you're watching somebody else? Do those memories kind of come back and sting a little bit? Like, like what, what does that feel like? I, I'd, I'd have no idea. It feels the same as it, it felt before. Like, uh, anytime I watch myself ride, I, my muscles twitch, you know, I feel the bike underneath me. I know what the throttle feels like in my hands. I know the pressure through, you know, the balls in my feet, I know what that thing feels like. Every twitch, every, you know, every corner. Um, so whenever I watch it, it just brings all that back up into my mind and into my body. And I actually, my heart rate will increase. My, I'll start to sweat a little bit. Like I feel it. And so that's why, you know, I don't try to ride a dirt bike now. I don't try to like recreate those things because I know I'm not going to recreate it the same way. All I have to do is, look at a picture, watch a video, pull up a memory, and I feel it. I know what that is like. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to, to, to look back on it with a fondness um, and, and have nothing but positive things about it in the face of it changing my life in such a dramatic way. 
Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, motocross has affected you in such a positive way and still continues to uh, to be that. And also, I, I, I truly feel that uh, your racing days prepared you uh, immensely for what uh, you eventually had to undertake. Without a doubt, Brad. Absolutely. Uh, for life. Racing has, has taught me invaluable uh, lessons and tools for life. So. Wow. Well, um, I, uh, I just want to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to capture this, your story, all the information, uh, on my podcast, big MX radio podcast. And, uh, we're going to try and get this to as many people as we can possibly can. And, uh, hopefully make something really special happen. Um, uh, everyone who's listening, uh, between, uh, Garrett Rockley all the way to, uh, Davy Coombs, if you're if you're listening, Davy, uh, really appreciate everything that you've done for me, and um, just like oh, it's Aaron, I, <laughs> I, I, it's it's tough for me to really put into words, but uh, I, I really appreciate you uh, giving me this opportunity, and I hope that I knocked it out of the park for you. No, oh, it's all good, Brad. I, I'm stoked, dude. So yeah, it's it's a big family, and I, anybody that's in moto knows that. So. Um, thank you and um, I'm around anytime please reach out excellent well I won't let you go just yet but uh, as far as the podcast goes we'll uh, we'll say goodnight for now all right thanks for having me thank you for listening to the Big MX podcast brought to you by X Brand Goggles be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed check out our website at bigmxradio.com for more content